The following sermon, entitled Jesus Cleansing of a Leper, was preached on the morning of January 15, 2023, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's Word this morning to the book of Mark. The Gospel according to Mark. The text for this morning's sermon will be verses 40 through 42. And we will begin reading at verse 29. Mark 1, beginning at verse 29. We'll read through the end of the chapter. The text is verses 40 and 42. This is the inspired and therefore infallible Word of our God. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him, and when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And straightly he, and he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See, thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Thus far we read God's Word. The text for this morning's sermon will be verses 40-42. through 42. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. 
And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Looking out over the congregation, just about anyone who observed this congregation would say about it, at least from an outward point of view, this is a clean looking group. Because after all, parents gave baths to their children last night. We ourselves took a shower either last night or this morning. We have put on our best clothes, our Sunday best as we sometimes call it. Our hair is done. And here we are sitting in neat rows, most of us with our family around us, so that from an outward point of view, this is a clean looking group. But what this passage of Scripture reminds us of, and particularly this man in the text, is that there is more to the picture here this morning. Because for this man, there was something obvious about him that's not obvious here. This man was a leper. That is, he had a disgusting, isolating, and deadly disease that made him obviously unclean. And that disease was a picture of a far deeper and greater problem, namely that from a spiritual point of view, this man was a leper. Spiritually, he was unclean on account of his sin. And so for this man, the outward matched the inward. And in that, he's a reminder to us about our sinful condition. That though from an outward point of view, this is a clean looking group, yet from a spiritual point of view, we are all sinners. And we are defiled on account of that sin. And we are mindful of that, especially in light of a a week of examining ourselves. Analyzing our lives in the light of God's law, we have concluded, yes, I am unclean from a spiritual point of view. And we come this morning aware of that. But we also come by faith trusting that there is cleansing, that there is forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ for examining ourselves is more than just seeing our sins, but examining ourselves includes bringing those sins to the cross and seeking forgiveness so that this morning we come not only aware of our sin, but we also come looking to the One that Scripture refers to as the Great Physician, Jesus Christ our Savior, who was able to cleanse us and to heal us of all of our spiritual diseases, even as He does for the man in this text. And so, with it, and it, so it's with that in mind that we consider this morning Mark 1, verses 40-42, through 42, using as our theme, Jesus' cleansing of a leper. First, we'll look at the believing leper. Second, we'll look at the compassionate physician. And then third, the miraculous healing. Three points to the sermon. The believing leper the compassionate physician, and the miraculous healing. In Scripture, 
we find a number of instances in which Jesus heals some leper or even groups of lepers. And from a chronological point of view, this is the very first of them. And this was a man who was full of leprosy. That's the language we find in Luke 5, verse 1, one of the parallel accounts. And that this man was full of leprosy indicates that his leprosy was at an advanced stage. He was obviously a leper. His disease had progressed. And regarding this disease, there are three main things that we need to note about it this morning. Three characteristics of the disease of leprosy. First, it was a disgusting disease. Because one who had leprosy had open sores all over his skin. And these open sores would ooze fluid out of them. And that fluid usually stank so that there was an awful smell coming forth from a man who was a leper. But this disease was not limited just to the surface. This disease went down into the the deeper flesh, into the tissues. And it was disgusting. Those who had leprosy leprosy were often characterized by physical deformities in that they would be missing toes or fingers or part of their nose or their ears. And there's debate about why exactly that was the case. Whether it was this disease eating away at their flesh or them losing their their nervous system on their extremities and thus they couldn't feel when they would damage their flesh. Regardless of why exactly, we know that the disease of leprosy left people disfigured. So that from an outward point of view, these people were obviously unclean. This was a disgusting disease. That first of all. Second, leprosy was an isolating disease. For those who had leprosy living in the nation of Israel, had to live separately from the rest of the people. For the Old Testament Levitical laws in Leviticus, Leviticus 13 and 14, set forth various restrictions so that people who had leprosy were not allowed to live within the camp when the people were in the wilderness. They were not allowed to come to the tabernacle or later to the temple. And what is more, the Old Testament law even prescribed that people who had leprosy, whenever other people would be walking by, they would have to announce, unclean, unclean, to let others know about their disease so that no one would have any contact with them. And you can imagine how this would bring with it a certain level of shame. But what is more, this meant they were isolated, they were cut off, they were outcasts. They had no fellowship so that for this man, who knows how long it's been since he's even felt the touch of a fellow human. This was an isolating disease. First, disgusting. Second, isolating. And third, leprosy was a a deadly disease. A deadly disease for there was no cure. There was no medication that you could take. There was no procedure you could go through. 
So that to have leprosy was a death sentence. This man was a walking dead man as it were. An awful disease. But as bad as leprosy was from a physical point of view, our spiritual disease, our spiritual sickness is far worse. For you see, when in the New Testament we read about these various diseases and how Jesus heals them, they are meant to teach us spiritual truths so that each disease that we read about on the pages of Scripture is a picture of sin and teaches us unique aspects, unique characteristics about the nature and characteristic of sin so that we can take those three characteristics of leprosy and learn about our sinfulness in light of them. And we learn about our sin that our sin is disgusting in the eyes of our God. It's loathsome. In the eyes of our God, we are spiritually dirty. In the eyes of our God, we stink from a spiritual point of view. And that's true not only of our actual sins, but of our original sin, the sinfulness within us. For what do we call that nature that we have from Adam? We speak of it as a corrupt nature. We speak of that as the pollution of sin, indicating the the fact that sin makes us spiritually unclean. What is more, we learn about sin in the second place that sin is isolating. It separates us. And it separates us first and foremost from our God. We see that in the very beginning for immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, they are banished from the garden. They are kicked out of God's presence. And for us as sinners, we have no way to come back into God's presence in and of ourselves. We're separated from Him. What is more, sin can be isolating in our own relationships with each other and that sin does great damage to our relationships. Sin interferes and disrupts our relationships so that what leprosy teaches us about sin secondly is the isolating character of sin. But then third, it reminds us that the spiritual disease of sin is a deadly disease. There's no cure from a human point of view. There's no medication that we can take that's going to deliver us from our sin. There's no surgery or operation that can get rid of the sin that's found within us. So that to be a sinner is to be a walking dead man. What we deserve on account of our sins is both physical and spiritual death. That is, death in time and death for all eternity. That is the nature of our sin. And are we aware of how bad it is? You see, there's a temptation for us to minimize our sinfulness, to downplay the severity of sin so that we make out as though it's not really not that big of a deal that I, I transgress God's law here or transgress God's law there. When the reality is that this is an awful disease. The disease of sin even as it's pictured for us. So that our greatest need this morning 
is to be delivered, to be cleansed, to be healed from this disease that is our sin. That's what this man reminds us of. For he was a leper. But there's something else important about this man that he was not only a leper, he was also a believer. You see, the first point of the sermon this morning is not just the leper, but the believing leper. This man had faith in Jesus Christ. And his faith is evident from the passage as we go through it. There are a number of different things that point us to it. And the first is the very fact that he, he comes to Jesus. Notice that at the outset, verse 40, and there came a leper to him. This man comes seeking his Savior so that he recognizes that the only hope of deliverance that he has is in this Jesus of Nazareth, this miracle worker who has performed all these other miracles. It's by faith that he comes to Jesus. What is more, we see his faith in his reverence for Jesus Christ. And his reverence is evident from the parallel accounts in which we read of this man addressing Jesus Christ as Lord. And for this man to take, to use that name, that address is indicating more than just simply saying Sir or Master, but he's recognizing Jesus Christ as the Lord, as the Son of God in human flesh. And what is more, his reverence is seen in that he, he comes and falls down before this man. Verse 40 we read, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to Him. Matthew's account says that He worshipped Him. Luke's account says he, He fell down on His face. He was lying prostrate before Jesus Christ so that what we see in this man is a reverence, an awe, a, a holy fear for Jesus Christ. And again, that's indicative of His faith. That's evidence that He recognizes Jesus Christ as the Son of God in human flesh. So we see His faith in the very fact that He came to Jesus Christ. We see His faith in His reverence for Jesus Christ. But we also see His faith in the fact that He was confident in Christ's ability to heal Him. Notice that in the words that He says at the end of verse 40. And saying unto Him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. That is, Thou art able. And what a beautiful confession that was. Because remember, we are talking about an incurable disease and He comes to Jesus saying, you are able to cure me. So that this is a confession of Christ's omnipotence, His power as the Son of God. The sleper was a believer. He came by faith. But yet, there was still a level of doubt in this man. For though he confesses his confidence in Christ's ability to save him, he is not yet sure about his willingness to do so. For the leper says in verse 40, if thou wilt, 
Thou canst make me clean. That is, if you are willing, if you desire this, if you want this, I know you're able, but I'm not sure if you actually will it. He was certainly hopeful that this was Jesus' will for him. But in recognition of his disease, both the physical disease as well as the spiritual, there was doubts in his heart and mind. And so he takes his case and he brings it and lays it, as it were, at the feet of Jesus. If thou wilt. It's up to you. It's up to your divine sovereign prerogative to decide whether or not to bring healing. So this man was indeed a believing child of God. He came by faith. And this morning, we praise our God for the gift of faith that He's given to us. For like this leper, our faith is not something that's inherent in us. It's not something that has its source in us. But the faith whereby we come this morning is a faith that's been given to us. A faith that's been worked in us by the Spirit of Christ. And we praise Him for that because it's only because of that work that we too come to Jesus Christ. For by nature of ourselves, we would never come. By nature, we are just like Adam and Eve. Immediately after they sin, what do they do? They go and they hide themselves. They try to get away from the presence of God. And that would be the same for us so that by nature, we are those who would cower in fear. If we were ever to encounter Jesus Christ, recognizing Him simply as the judge, the ruler over all. But having been given the gift of faith, rather than turning away from Him, we now come to Him. Come to Him trusting in Him. And really, as those who've been given faith, we cannot stay away. You see, faith has to have the object of its faith, Jesus Christ. And while there may be times where, in which we become ensnared in a sin, nevertheless, God works in us, drawing us ever back to Himself so that by faith we seek our Savior. So we praise God for the gift of faith whereby we come. We praise Him for the gift of faith also whereby we, we too are filled with reverence for Jesus Christ, and that we recognize Him as the Son of God. For again, by nature, we would never do this. By nature, we would be like the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day in the surrounding context who denied that He was the Son of God, who wanted to kill Him because He confessed to be the Son of God. And that's us by nature. But having been given the gift of faith, along with this man, we too confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That He is the Son of God. And we too now fall down before Him, worshiping our Savior. And we also praise Him for the gift of faith whereby we too trust His ability to save. Because by nature, we would say it's impossible. Really, by nature, we would never even see our sins for what they are. We'd be blind to them. But even if we had an awareness of our sin without faith, we would conclude there's no way I can be delivered. 
And maybe there's a part of us that has come here this morning that way. For in the light of God's law, we have seen just how far short we fall of God's standard. We've seen just how many sins I've committed and we start to wonder, is it possible for all of this debt really to be forgiven? But by faith, we come trusting He is able. We say with this leper, Thou canst cleanse me and heal me. For this Jesus is the great Physician who is able to forgive our iniquities, to cure our diseases. And so we come to Him by faith. But now perhaps with this leper, we also come with a little bit of doubt. Is He willing? I know He's able, but in light of my sin, would He really deliver such a spiritually defiled and disfigured wretch as me? Will He have pity on such a one who has so repeatedly broken God's commandments? For some, there's doubt. And it's in light of that doubt, really on account of that doubt, that our Lord and Savior gave to us, instituted for us, the Lord's Supper that we partake of this morning. For the Lord's Supper is meant to give us assurance to strengthen our faith to dispel that doubt for through the sacrament it is visibly declared to us that Jesus Christ died and not just in a general generic way for his people but for me in particular for me as an individual for me personally that's the message of the Lord's Supper for it reminds us of our Savior who is our compassionate physician. And that's what we want to look at in the second place. We've looked at the believing leper and how he's a picture of our sinfulness, but also looking at his faith. But now we want to look at the object of our faith, namely this compassionate physician, Jesus Christ. And this passage does indeed warm our heart in that it highlights the compassion of our Savior. And that compassion comes out in his emotions, in His action, and in His words, with regard to this leper first, with His emotions. The passage before us says in verse 41, and Jesus moved with compassion. He had compassion. He had pity on this man. He felt for him. He was moved within Himself toward this man. And we put it that way in light of the literal meaning of this word. These words moved with compassion. The literal idea of these words is that He was moved in His bowels. And the reason Scripture puts it that way is the acknowledgement that there are certain emotions, feelings that we experience within ourselves so that When we're nervous, for example, we say, there's butterflies in my stomach. I can feel that. 
When we hear bad news, we say there's a, a pit in my stomach. Or when there's some joyous occasion, we can f- feel as it were our hearts swelling within us. Well, so it is with compassion, pity. When we're moved on account of the misery of somebody else, we, we feel that in our bowels as it were. And that, that was the case for Jesus Christ. He too was moved in His bowels. He was moved with compassion. He had love toward this man. So that rather than being disgusted by Him, rather than being repulsed by Him, Jesus identifies with the man. And so we see His compassion first of all in His emotions. Second, we see His compassion in His action. Namely, that He touches this man. Verse 41, And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth His hand and touched Him. And now we might be tempted to just sort of pass over that detail. Surely that cannot be all that significant. But that would be the wrong approach. It's of utmost importance that Jesus touches this man. And it points us to His compassion for children. Think about this. Children, we just described this man as having this disgusting, stinky, loathsome disease. His skin is full of open sores. He's all disfigured. And if this man came walking toward you, you probably would not want to touch him. And if you did have to touch him, you'd probably want to put on some nice latex gloves and maybe some protective gear. And then and only then would you ever risk touching this man. But not our Savior. Our Savior reaches out and touches Him. And what a thing that must have been for this man because remember, he's been isolated. He's been cut off. He's not been allowed to have any physical contact with any other human as long as he has had this disease. He has not known the warm touch of a fellow human for years and now Jesus reaches out and places His hand upon him. And for Jesus Christ to do that was for Jesus Christ really to enter into His uncleanness. To enter into His shame and to His misery. And that reminds us that Jesus' mercy is so much more than His compassion. It includes that. But Jesus' mercy, in Jesus' mercy, He not only has compassion on us, but He also takes action. That is His Pity for us is always accompanied by His power. And we see that in His touch. But then we see it also in His words that He spoke. There were His emotions. There were His actions. And then finally, His words point us to His compassion. The end of verse 41. And saith unto Him, I will Be thou clean. This man had said, if thou wilt, that is, if you are willing, thou canst, thou art able. And Jesus' response is, I will. Not just the future tense of I'm going to do something, but in the sense of I desire this. I want this. It delights me 
to heal you. And it's very significant that he's able to say, I will. You see, when the disciples will go out and perform miracles later on, it's always, we heal you in the name of Jesus Christ. But Jesus doesn't need to say, I heal you in the name of God the Father. But He's just able to say, I will. Pointing us to His power as the Son of God to do this. And what is more, the fact that He is able to say, I will, shows us that His will is determinative in this. It's not the case that whether or not this man is healed is dependent on this man's faith or the strength of his faith. But it's dependent on the sovereign will of the Son of God. He has mercy on whom He will have mercy. And so in these three ways, we see the compassion of our Savior. And it was in His compassion and His willingness to heal this man that He would ultimately go to the cross to accomplish our salvation. For you see, in Jesus Christ's mercy upon us, He has identified with us, not just with this man, that as in eternity He took pity upon us. He had compassion upon us. And in that pity, He entered into our uncleanness. That is, He came down into this sinful world. He was born of a woman. But He not not only took upon Himself our sinful flesh, He not only took upon Himself our human nature, but He also took upon Himself our sinfulness. And that's the significance of that touch. For Jesus to touch this man was symbolic of the fact that He was taking this man's disease upon Himself. Because in the Old Testament, if you had contact with a leper, someone who was unclean, you yourself then became unclean. So that for Jesus to touch this unclean man was for Him to enter into His uncleanness to take upon Himself His Spiritual leprosy. So that from a spiritual point of view, for Jesus Christ to be born of a woman, to take upon Himself our sinfulness, means that, if we can put it this way, Christ was a spiritual leper. The whole of His life. And that's confirmed when we look at a passage like Isaiah 53, verse 2, which says He was without form. There was no comeliness in Him. There was nothing beautiful about Him. And obviously, it's not saying that about Christ Himself because Christ as the Son of God in human flesh is altogether lovely. But it's looking upon Jesus Christ as the sin-bearer, as the One who took upon Himself our spiritual sickness and disease. And in this we see that our physician is able to do what no other physician can do to bring about healing. If some doctor is going to heal us of a physical disease, he gives some medication, he performs some procedure, but no physician 
is able to heal us by taking that disease away from us and upon Himself. But that's what Jesus does here. That is, Jesus does what every earthly parent wishes they could do when their children get sick. When we see our children suffering on account of some sickness, we wish as parents we could just take it away from them. Let this disease come upon me. But we cannot do that. But Jesus does do that. He took our sickness, our spiritual dirtiness upon Himself. But now because sin is a deadly disease, that meant Jesus Christ had to die. That meant Jesus Christ had to die both spiritually and physically. And He did exactly that when He went to the cross where He suffered the wrath of our God against our sins during those three hours of darkness. There, He felt the isolating effect of sin. For He was forsaken. He was separated from the experience of God's love and favor. And the only touch He felt was the heavy hand of God's wrath upon Him, crushing Him on account of our sin that had been laid upon Him. He died spiritually. And what is more, He died physically in that He was required to lay down His life at the end of those three hours. But though healing us meant dying for us, He was nevertheless willing. Through it all, Jesus Christ said, I will. I desire this. I want this. I delight to go about this work. To bring about the cleansing that My people need from their spiritual sin. And standing behind that willingness was His own sovereign mercy. So that through the entirety of His life and even as He hung there on the cross, His bowels were moved within Him in compassion towards us his people, so that it was in His mercy, it was in His compassion that He went to the cross. And that mercy never failed. Even during those three hours of darkness, always He had His people in view. So that He did not come down from the cross. He did not complain about His suffering, but He willingly endured all of it. So that He might save us from our sins. So that He might heal us and cleanse us. Even as He healed and cleansed this man in a miraculous way. For you see, on the basis of His saving work, there is a miraculous healing. Even as we read in verse 42, and as soon as He had spoken, Immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Notice how this passage states the miracle both negatively and positively. Verse 42, 
Immediately the leprosy departed. That's gone. That's taken care of. There's the negative. But then it adds positively, and he was cleansed. He was made whole again. Notice this happened in an instant. The passage says, immediately the leprosy departed. So that one moment, this man has this disgusting, stinky disease. He's all disfigured. And the very next moment, his skin is perfectly whole again. Whatever parts of his body had fallen off were restored in a miraculous way. And all of this by the power of the Word of Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke. And in the English, it's I will be thou clean. But those words, be thou clean, that's just one word in the original. That's all it took from our Savior Jesus Christ. One word. And He was healed. And so it is for us who come by faith this morning to our Savior Jesus Christ. His Word to us is be thou clean. And we are cleansed. Both negatively and positively in that the the sin itself is removed. The debt has been paid. It's gone. And what is more, we are given Christ's own spotless righteousness. We have His obedience imputed to our account. So that for us too, there is a miraculous healing, a cleansing from our sin. And what is more, we're given assurance of that. Even as this man was given assurance. For after Jesus heals him, He tells him, go to the priest. That's verse 44. See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now the purpose in sending this man to the priest was twofold. On the one hand, the priest would make an official declaration, this man is now clean. Previously, he had to go about saying, unclean, unclean everywhere he went. And now the priest is going to declare to him, you are now clean. But in addition to that, and really on account of that, this man would be restored to the life and worship of Israel. Having been declared clean by the priest, he could once again live among the people. He could enter into the temple and worship God. He could interact with the other Christians and enjoy fellowship with them. So that this man was given assurance of the healing that he has just experienced. When in a similar way, we too are given assurance this morning. Only instead of going to a priest, we come to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where there is for us that same declaration. Where it will be visibly declared to us through the elements. Your sins are gone. They're paid for. They've been washed away. 
And what is more, we are made to experience the fellowship that we now enjoy with our God for in coming to the table, we sit down as it were at the table and enjoy a covenant meal with our Lord. We speak to Him and hear Him speak to us. And we have fellowship not only with our Savior Jesus Christ, but we have fellowship with one another as fellow believers gathered together around the table. And so it's with thankful hearts that we look to our Savior Jesus Christ this morning, the One who is our compassionate physician who has so miraculously healed us. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for the good news of the Gospel that's been set forth this morning and for the spiritual cleansing and healing that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for the preaching which has declared this Word and we thank Thee too for the sacrament whereby it is visibly set before our eyes. Bless the administration of the Lord's Supper. Use it for our assurance that we might be built up in our faith. Hear this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.